Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Now, Uncle Gary might remember who Stradivarius is. 1644. Were you around then? 1644. I've just missed it. Okay. Antonio Stradivarius. He lived in 1644 and died in 1737, but his violins are famous all over the world. And uh, what uh, technology's been able to uh, deduce is that through the process of uh, his life, he was very poor. He was unable to go and buy good wood to make violins and instruments. So he would go down to the local harbour and he would fish these pieces of wood out of the harbour, take them back to his uh, workshop, dry them out, put them through a process, and um, the lumber that had been dumped in the harbour, discarded by many, has now become the most famous violins ever to be made. By an act of transformation, taking something that was discarded, something that was useless to people, they were transformed uniquely into some of the greatest violins that have ever been made. As much as technology, we've moved on in technology, nobody can reproduce a Stradivarius. And one of the reasons is, while the wood was in the harbour, while it was in the water, tiny microbes were eating away at the very fibre of the, of the wood, which was tiny and, and hard to see. So basically, when Stradivarius crafted these violins, every little fibre and chamber resonates the sound. And each one is unique. Turn to the person beside you and say, you're unique. (laughs) God does something in our lives, a transformation that is unique. Each one of us may not be the richest person in the world. Each one of us may not be the best orator in the world. I know I'm not. Each one of us, may not be the best reader, uh, mathematician, uh, person who has skills, talents, abilities. I've never been able to play a musical instrument properly. All those things can be wrong in your life, but in the fiber of your life, God is able to do something unique in your heart, an act of transformation that nobody else can do. I want to talk to you this morning a sermon I've entitled The Invitation for Transformation. We're going to look at the rich young ruler and we're going to pull out some points. Last week, Pastor Josh talked about a great and personal invitation of the Lord, come unto me, the Lord said, and take up my yoke, take my yoke upon you. And he preached that message I'd watched online and I It resonated with me that God gives us an invitation. And he gives us an invitation for transformation. 
Mark 10, verse 17 says, Now as he was going on the, out on the road, this is Jesus, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may, that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. But he was sad at this word, and went away, sorrowful for he had great possessions undoubtedly this young man as he comes to christ and has an encounter face to face with jesus undoubtedly he had heard about the miracles undoubtedly he may have even stood at a distance and heard jesus preach uh, undoubtedly, somehow he'd heard about the Lord or seen him from a distance. But what happens is this young man takes his opportunity and comes and runs to Christ. Because he's feel, he feels like something's missing in his life. I feel like there is a lot of people at times who feel like there's something missing at times in your life. This man is unsure about eternal life. He comes looking for an answer. And the answer he gets from Jesus is deeply honest and deeply searching. I want to firstly talk to you about being, about deep honesty. Because if you're ever going to see real transformation in your life, you've got to get honest and deep honest to the fiber of your soul and your heart. I wonder how, on, how honest you are with yourself sometimes. How honest you are with God in prayer. How honest you are with a friend, your spouse, your parent. Teenagers spend most of their time trying to be dishonest the best way they can to their parents. I don't want to let them know where they really are. In a book written by John Ortberg, it's the, I read the book years ago, it was called The Life You've Always Wanted. He addresses the issue of transformation and he begins by talking about some of the great disappointments of his own life. In fact, as you read, and I haven't got time and I won't read it, it's very long, the particular excerpt out of his book that you can read, but he talks about his disappointment, and I pulled out just parts of that. It says, I'm disappointed with myself. I'm disappointed not so much with the particular things I have done as with aspects of who I have become. I have a nagging sense that, not, uh, that uh, all is not as it should be. Some of this disappointment is trivial. Some of this disappointment is neurotic. Sometimes I'm too concerned about what other people think about me, even people I don't even know. Some of my disappointment I know is worse than trivial. It is the sour fruit of self-absorption. 
He said some of this disappointment runs deeper. And he talks about how it, he uh, wants to be a type of father that looks in it and has great times with his kids, food fights, various other things. And then he realizes after he rushes his kids to bed that he didn't, he'd hurt them because he'd pushed them to bed quickly because he wanted to go off and watch TV. And he says, I'm disappointed that I still love God so little and still sin so much. I always had the idea that as a child, that as adults, we pretty much would be the people we wanted to be. Yet the truth is I'm embarrassingly sinful. I'm capable of dismaying amounts of jealousy even if someone succeeds more visibly than I do. I'm disappointed at my captivity to be small and petty and I can convince people I'm busy and productive yet waste large amounts of time watching television. These are just some of my disappointments. I have other ones, darker ones, ones that I'm not ready to commit to paper. The truth is, even as I write these words, it's a little misleading because it sounds, uh, it makes me sound more sensitive to my fallenness than I really am. Sometimes, although I am aware of how far I fall short, it doesn't even bother me. And I'm disappointed at my lack of disappointment. It says, where does this disappointment come from? common answer in our day is a lack of self-esteem, a failure to accept oneself. He said that may be part of the answer, but it's not the whole of it by a long shot. The older, wiser answer is the feeling of disappointment is not the problem, but a reflection of a deeper problem. And that is my failure to be the person God had in mind when he created me. Did you know God created you with a purpose, with a plan? He's given you talents, abilities, various things into your heart. And here in our passage of scripture, here is this young man. Obviously, he comes and he bows down before Jesus. He runs to Jesus and he's down on his knees and he says, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And in a moment of deep honesty, in a moment of a word, a, a word from heaven. Jesus speaks into this man's life. And he shows him what's really in his heart. And as, as this man realizes that Jesus is, knows exactly where he's at, he knows exactly what is the issue of his life, he walks away disappointed. I want to say to you, that in moments of deep honesty, we will be disappointed. And the first thing we're disappointed about is ourselves. Without doubt, this rich young man was disappointed with himself. At this, verse 22 in the New Living Translation, it said, that this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. Even good people can come to Jesus with the right intention, yet walk away disappointed. Even good people can come to church with the right intention, to let God do something in your heart, yet leave disappointed. In moments of times of prayer and, and sincerity, God can pinpoint a very issue in your life and it can, you can be disappointed because you don't want to give up that issue in your life. The Apostle Paul experienced powerful transformation. But in a moment of complete honesty, when he wrote to the Romans, to the, to the church in Rome, he wrote in verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 15, I don't really understand myself. For what I want to do, 
I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Every one of us is in that in that category. We can disappoint ourselves at times. We can also disappoint God. I believe as Jesus is looking at this young man, this young man's come to him. He's uh, the Bible says Jesus loved the young man. His heart went out to the young man. Here, this young man turns on his heels, leaves, and I believe Jesus was disappointed in that young man's response. I mean, you and I are capable of disappointing God. We have a relationship with a living God, and in any relationship, there is an opportunity to disappoint and hurt. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 6, we read, The Lord said, uh, So the Lord was sorry he had made man, uh, ever made man, and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. He was disappointed at the state of man's heart, of, of, of the state of men's hearts at that time. And we know the flood came after that. But God was disappointed in me. Psalm 78, 40. Oh, how often they rebelled. He's talking about Israel against him in the wilderness and grieved his heart in that dry wasteland. I think about Jesus even when he was in the temple and you remember the time he's there and there's a man with a withered hand and there are religious people looking at, at, uh, uh, at, at Jesus and seeing him what he's going to do. And Jesus walks up to the man and he says, stretch forth his hand. But he already, when, he, when he did and the man got healed, he looked around at these people. And he says in Mark, uh, Mark chapter 3 and verse 5, he looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hardened hearts. I think Peter's a classic example of disappointing the Lord, even when Jesus had told him that he was going to deny him. We read the story, Peter denies Jesus, and then in Luke chapter 22, verses 60 and 61, it says, and Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord looked, turned and looked at Peter. I believe the Lord was disappointed in Peter at that very moment when he looked around. He knew that Peter would deny him, but he was disappointed that Peter went ahead and did it. I think we can also disappoint others. Those of us that have been in relationship, still in relationship with people, we are always open to a level of disappointment in a point of deep honesty and I want to say to you this morning, there's nothing wrong with being deeply honest about how you have let God get down, how you've let others down. In fact, my wife was uh, testifying, speaking to my daughter on the phone just yesterday evening. I'm in my office. I'm typing away at my computer. I can hear the conversation. And she said, and she recounted a time when my daughter had to come to me and talk to me about how I'd hurt her. And in a moment of deep honesty, I was disappointed in myself again that I'd hurt my daughter. I want to talk to you secondly about diversions. 
Because this young man comes to Jesus, and as he comes to Jesus, he's running, he's excited, he, he wants to talk to the Lord. However, Jesus pinpoints great obstructions to transformation in this man's life. They are diversions that are stopping him from being transformed. He says, the young man says, good teacher, how must I inherit eternal life? Verse 19, you know the commandments. It's really interesting. Listen to this. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud honor your father and your mother. If you're a student of the word of God, you'll know that that is not the 10 commandments. Not all 10. That's half of them. In fact, they're the only ones that relate to us relating to other people. So Jesus does not talk about honor, uh, 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 love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and strength. He doesn't say that to this young man. He says, you need to watch out. You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't do this. He's talking about his relationship with other people. He pinpoints the very issue of this man's life, his relationships. Some of us come to church, put on our halo, fix our clothes, make ourselves look good, but we've got relationship problems. Jesus pinpoints these commandments and says, you've got a problem. This is a problem. He says, I've done these, done these from my youth. Now, it's even interesting that Jesus doesn't turn around and say, no, I'm saying this because you've got a problem. He's, he, he looks at him and loves him. I don't think anybody can fulfill all those. Can, if you can, please tell me at the end how you can fulfill all those commandments, even just one of them. He doesn't address that, but he begins to say to the young man, there's something in your life you've been diverted from. You've been diverted. You've taken a relationship with God and diverted it and made it about the law. We heard last week, you cannot live by the law. It won't work. The burden of the law is too heavy. We can't live by commandments, uh, all those commandments, the 612, even if you have a look in the Old Testament, we cannot live by them. That We cannot fulfill them. This young man felt like he was doing really well, but Jesus pinpointed the very issues of his heart. He felt... He'd done enough. Be careful. Transformation can't come in your life if you think you're doing that good. It's not saying beat yourself up and talk about how bad you are to everybody all the time I'm, or even complain to the Lord about how bad you are. I'm talking about being honest about the fact that sometimes you and I fall. Sometimes you and I fail. Sometimes you and I don't do it right. God's plan has never been that we would be find fulfillment in the law. This man has been diverted through relationships and, and trying to obey the law. Jesus pinpoints that issue, and this diversion was away from the plan of God. It has never been the plan of God that we would be legalists. Another diversion which is obvious to me, was his overemphasis on material wealth. 
Jesus says, there is still one thing you haven't done. Go sell your possessions, give them, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. This young man comes face to face with the truth. There's something about, the, there's no fulfillment in the, in the law, but there's no fulfillment in material possessions either. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 2 and 3, listen to this. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me here and your soul shall live. Here the Bible's telling us very clearly that if we're looking for fulfillment in things of this world, or in the law or religious works, we are going to be unfulfilled. Real transformation comes as we learn to let go of this present life. With the amount of people that have been passing away in recent times, it should shake you. Whether it's Matthew at 24 years old or whether it's uh, no, John at 94. We are temporarily on this face of this earth and we need to measure our life not by the things that we do or the things that we have, but who we have a relationship, a relationship with a living God. It's never been God's plan that the things of this world would, that we'd love the things of this world more than we love God. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It is so clear. Yet daily we're bombarded with messages. Oh my goodness, Christmas pudding in the shops. <laughs> Already, I went to the shop yesterday. My wife's crook. She's been sick for a week. And, uh, and, and so I have to go and do the shopping. As a good husband, I know it's hard. I know. It, 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 it's the cross I carry. Yeah, I've taken up my cross and I'm carrying it, okay? So I'm walking, and I'm going to the lolly aisle, of course. <laughs> but have you, what about the messages that you keep hearing every day in the news? You haven't got enough superannuation. House, uh, uh, housing prices are going through the roof. Uh, oh, fuel prices. Everybody watch Fuel Watch every day, two or three times, to find out where the cheapest fuel is so you can get four cents off. Interest rates. Oh, interest rates. I get, a, I get, a, I get an email every once in a while from this guy that I, I once uh, uh, asked for, was talking to him, a broker, about a loan, and he sends me a monthly email about interest rates and where the economy is. Uh, how about the latest gizmo, the latest iPhone? You look at it on TV, man, that must be the best thing. That, uh, I mean, that, can, uh, that, that thing can do anything. It can get it, fulfill all your dreams. Samsung, Samsung watches, toys, things. We get pressure on us all the time about material things. Have you got an overemphasis on this material world? That's the question that is hindering this man, that's the issue that's hindering this young man from real transformation in a relationship with Jesus.
These things became a consuming diversion to him. When you stop and begin to pray, what are those things that are consuming diversions to you? What stops you from really communicating and getting intimate with God? What is it that's stopping you from real transformation? I love hearing stories of transformation everywhere from the, 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 uh, uh, the uh, thief on the cross who at the start was reviling Jesus with the, other, with the other man and then repents and says, remember me this day. And, and you know, I, I, I look at the cross of Calvary and this, the guy was a, a seditionist, a, a thief, a murderer, and he's on the cross. He's paying the, the, cost, the cost of his own uh, indiscretion, his crime. And he's reviling Jesus when everybody else is having a go. Then well, a few verses and in another different in a different perspective that comes, I think, through Luke, you see that he is repentant. Such transformation like that is what inspires me. The story of, of Chris who gets transformed in a hospital bed. It's a deathbed conversion, but it's still a conversion. Can you say amen? What excites me about church is not that we come and we just slap each other on the back, say, great to see you. How are you going? I hope you have a good week. Is I believe that this is a place where God does heart transformation. This is a place where God can get a hold of your life and transform you under the consistent sound of the preaching of the Word of God as you each, each week leave this church, take something with you, go and pray it through, believe it in your heart and say, God, do something of, of change in my life. I want to finish with the great invitation because the great invitation is for transformation. The Lord's response was a challenge. Not every word that is preached from the gospel is going to tickle your ears. You should feel at times some conviction. I like it. Give it to me hard, give it to me fast, and give it to me straight into my heart. I want God, I open my heart each week and I say, God, give me a word in season. Give me a word in season. I can be in fellowship with somebody in that area, in the cafe area, and I want a word in season. We can be standing around uh, 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 talking at different times, catch up with somebody for a coffee at Mullaloo. You're due to buy me another coffee at Mullaloo, Gary, all right? And we can have a word, I can get a word in season. Get a word in season. Are you still struggling with the same issues today that you were 10 years ago? Because if you are, what has diverted you? What is stopping you? It's not God. God is almighty. What part of us is not surrendering to him? Jesus said, come, follow me, an invitation to relationship. As much as we can talk about heaven being our destiny, I believe the road to 
and to heaven. Our road to destiny is paved with the steps of transformation. I am a different man today. I want to be different tomorrow. I want to be better. I want to be a better grandfather. I want to be a better friend. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better worker in my workplace. Wherever you are, you can be better in Christ. Not by fulfilling the law, not by being diverted away from what it really is about. In the very fibers of your body, in the very fibers of your soul, God wants to reach in and do something today. He wants to do something tomorrow. He wants to do something in the future that keeps transforming you into a better person, into the image of Christ. The problem is the second part of this invitation was the hardest. Take up the cross. Not one of us here today wants to take a cross. Not one of us likes the idea of those hard yards. Cameron Cole, who was part of the Gospel Coalition, wrote these words. It can be easy for us to talk about the love and mercy of God in a way that omits the cross. Yet a crossless gospel will only yield flimsy, even spineless Christians in an already challenging world. Oh my goodness. Spineless Christians because they won't take up the cross. Another man said, crossless Christianity is Christless Christianity. Your cross may not be sell everything you have. That sounds like a tall order. Seriously. When you think about that, sell everything you have, give it away, put your entire trust in Jesus. That's the cross. For you, your cross may seem totally different. Whatever God's speaking to you right now. Because I believe by the Holy Spirit, he's going to put his finger on that point in your life. What is it that he's saying to you right now? What is God's plan, purpose for your life? It is to know him. It is to love him. It is to receive the grace of him that he has for us. But it is also to take up your cross and follow him. It's forsaking something that has diverted you from becoming more like Christ. That's your cross. Forsake whatever it is that is stopping you from becoming more like Christ. Jesus, in his conversation with his disciples, he spoke to them directly. And Peter, if you, if you follow the conversation, Peter says, hey, hang on, you're not going to do that. What does Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. Why? Because Peter didn't want Christ across in his relationship with God. 
In Matthew 16, 24 to 25, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you want to be my followers, you must give up your own way. That's New Living Translation. Give up your own way. The way you think, the way you act. Take up your cross and follow me. And if you try to hang on to your life, he says, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. It's so hard in us to give up what we got used to over the years. I don't know what it is for you. And I've spent my time over the years, getting honest with God and then repenting because I've disappointed him. And then I've said, okay, I'll finally yield. And then when I finally yield, I see this, almost this instantaneous growth in me. I think, where the heck does that come from? It came because I simply yielded to the invitation for transformation. You know what the devil's deception is? It's too hard. You're going to miss out. You know what the flesh does? Complains. Don't do it. This will hurt. But the spirit inside of you, that part of you that's born again, glory to God, says, do it. Step out in faith. You see, Christianity's never been about what we do as much as we're about who we are becoming. Who are you becoming? I want to finish with one final scripture. Maybe, Justin, you can come and play for a moment. We might spend one final moment in prayer. Every day we have choices. In 1983, I gave my life to Christ. We used to use this term, I gave my life to Christ. Well, how much of my life did I give to Christ? Well, at the start, was all the bad bits. I gave him all the sinful part. I gave him all the parts that I was having real problems with. Five years down the track, going through marriage counselling, because our marriage was in a mess, I'm still saying I'm giving my life to you. Ten years down the track, Joe and I had been married ten years, and we went on our first ever holiday, First ever time away alone, apart from the kids. And I'm still saying, Lord, I give my life to you. I've got to try, I've got to change. First two kids came along, it seemed pretty easy. Third child came along, all of a sudden it was two versus one. I had to have two kids while my wife was looking after that baby. And I realized I had to change again. I had to stop being so stinking selfish. Trying to find a place to hide in the house where the kids couldn't find me. Twenty years down the road, I realized I was a legalist. Thirty years down the road, I said, God, thank you for setting me free from legalism. 40 years down the track. I look back and I give God all the glory 
but he's still pinpointing issues in my heart. That's why if you read the rest of that portion of scripture, the disciples are absolutely amazed. Because Jesus says, how hard is it for for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of heaven? Why? Because they're diverted. But then Jesus says these wonderful words, and I want to close. Maybe you can bow your heads and close your eyes and just think of these words. But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Friend of mine, as your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, the devil has lied to you. Maybe you've even lied to yourself and said, I don't think I can ever change this area of my life. Well, my Bible just tells me, and the Word of God tells me, nothing's impossible. He can do a transformation in your life. Father, I pray for these people, every one of us here in this place, me included. We need transformation of our heart. Spirit of the living God, pinpoint right now that which you have been disappointed in our lives and pinpoint those areas of diversions, great diversions, things that have diverted us away from that loving relationship with you and that place of transformation, things that have hindered us. Lord, as we surrender in a word of prayer, I pray for miracles of transformation. Miracle transformation in the hearts and minds of men and women across this auditorium, even in our children and our teenagers. Cause us to see this world will never satisfy but we can be fulfilled in a relationship with you. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.